this is Justine, a quiet soul with a lot of convictions. I am an apostolic young lady with friends who are not of the same faith. So come on this journey to find out how we are able to coexist in this chaotic world. This one's for the girls who love without holding back, who dream with everything they have all around the world this one's for the girls you're all the same inside from one to 99 this one's for the girls this one's for the girls welcome back to another episode of the convictions as you may know this month is women history month And Women History Month is a time to celebrate the achievements of women around the world. We have so many women history that we have that have paved the way for us and we have learned in our upbringing. And I would like to recognize two modern women who are making an impact in our present day. My first role model is Kaveen Bartlett, Sister Kaveen to me. She is a daughter, a sister, a niece, a cousin, a granddaughter, a wife a mother, a friend, and a mentor. Hi, Sister Kaveen. How are you? Wow, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm good. So we're going to dive right into it. Um. So my first question to you is, what does womanhood mean to you? Hmm. I think womanhood, um, by my experience and those that I've sort of observed over the years is a changing journey. And, um, you know, I think women obviously can wear a lot of hat. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think um, it's, it is to be distinct. And um, I really think that over the course of your life, I mean, you're a female and I guess we won't use the words interchangeably, but you could. Um, and, you know, you're a female before you be, become a, a woman, so to speak. Um, but I feel like the over the course of, uh, womanhood, your life changes in different ways. Um, and there are different phases, different things that you do, you stop doing, you know, different roles that you may play in the life of other people. Um, and I think that sort of all encompasses what a woman can be, um, the limitlessness, so to speak, within humanity of what a woman is capable of and should be proud of. Um, yeah, that's the thing I'd have, I would just define it. Okay. So in encompassing, we have many hats that we wear, just like I've said there, you are daughter, a sister, niece, and so on. Um, in under that womanhood umbrella, we have sisterhood. Um, I know if within the church family, we we go by sister and brother. And I feel like if we don't have a biological sister, we sometimes take on a sisterhood, a friendship that's closer than just someone we just go and pass in. Um, within your sisterhood, what are some particular lessons or one that stands out to you that you have learned by having the sisterhood in church? Um, I think the need to 
don't forsake the sisterhood, so to speak, is one of the things that stands out to me most. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, throughout the course of our life, as I said, we have different phases and and situations we find ourselves in, different stages in life. Uh, it's really so important to remain connected to and understand the value of sisterhood. Um, I think when you are a teenager, you know, friendships are sort of platonic and the, the meaning that they have at that stage is different from the meaning that they have as you get older and older and older. Um, but I think no matter what, having, you know, not forgetting friends, not forgetting um, to be connected to others, not just for your sake, but for the sake of others as well. Um, I think is one of the most valuable lessons I've learned. Sometimes we put relationships on the back burner intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. And then we go scrambling for them when we realize we need support. Um, and I think the church is one of the places that really facilitates um, that sisterhood. And that's, I think, my most valuable lesson is to not forsake it and to always keep its value at heart in different seasons of life. I love that you said um, the sisterhood and not forsaken and scrambling to get it. And I think this is where I'm not sure how Daughters of Zion started at ORAC, our church, but I think I think that's probably one of the bullet points of why it was started. Um, so what inspired you to become the leader of Daughter of Zion? Interestingly, um, you know, I, I don't recall... I didn't go to my leadership asking for the position, um, but I'll say it this way, that I think this kind of work found me um, long before uh, playing a role um, of a leader of this, such a group. Um, I think I've always found myself in the position of wanting to be a mentor I've always valued the role of mentors in my life and um, sort of a, a way to give back. It, this is one of those opportunities for me. So I, um, you know, the group in and of itself is made up of young ladies who I see myself in a lot. And for me, there have been times, if I'm to be transparent, that I've definitely felt and continue to feel inadequate to meet the real needs of this group and this age group, because I'm obviously, you know, they rec they represent a larger group that we're not connected to necessarily. Um, there are other young ladies that for sure are there that are not connected to the group. Um, but I find a lot of purpose in spending time with them. I know I'm on the side of um, less fluff in terms of what we do. I know what we do in the social arena is very important to the age group, but I'm more so concerned about just the connectivity and facilitating that same sisterhood that I think you just asked about. Yeah. And um, where it doesn't happen naturally for some young ladies, I think it's important to create environments where they can hopefully connect with others. And I think for me, looking back at what was I, I would describe as some lonely years during those years, I would love to avoid that for some, if possible. And sometimes, you know, when we meet, you still see the sort of natural groups that form within the group. Um, and there's nothing you can do to force it 
or, or you know, force everyone to be with each other intentionally. But I think um, just being around each other, exposing um, the young ladies to one another is, is really valuable. And you don't know what relationships are going to form out of that. And obviously, there's the spiritual element of just bearing your witness as um, as older young ladies. I really try to engage other young ladies as well who are older to be a part of those meetings because I think it's so important. I certainly don't have all that it takes. But I think what inspires me most to continue doing such work is is just the need and wanting to respond to it as best as I can. So I was going to touch on that because you said something, sometimes you don't feel adequate to respond and mentor. And I feel like you have been one of those inspiring mentors specifically in my life. Um, And when I think back at it, you know, going through social work school is um, you sometimes have to think about what you're going to say to a person when they ask you, ask you a certain questions, how do you tackle it? And so sometimes when we feel inadequate, but we are being seeked out by someone younger, someone wanting to be mentor, how do you go about that situation? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, Many times I've point blank just told God, don't send people my way, (laughs) you know, like, leave me be. I got my own stuff that I can't even figure out. How in the world am I going to go mentoring somebody else? Um, and I think, as you said, you know, the field that you and I are both in social services uh, in terms of our background and also this this idea of mentorship, it finds you. Nobody can um, give that to you. It finds you. I really do believe that. And so you will find that people will seek you out um, naturally for a listening ear. Um, And so I think the response, even when I feel like I don't have a response or I'm not in the position to mentor at this time, um, most times for me, it's because I feel like I have way too much going on. Not like I don't have time for them. That's never really been my position. It's more like, oh, I will always make time, you know, but it's more so like I'm a mess right now in my life. And I don't know what kind of example I'm going to be to you to be realistic, but I'm going to tell you that it's in those moments many times that God just helps me and reminds me of my own humanity and that this is what people actually are wanting to connect with. Um, it doesn't mean airing my dirty laundry unnecessarily, but I think um, those humbling moments in my own life where I feel inadequate are what help to also motivate me. So I would say not using those opportunities, not missing out on those opportunities. And sometimes it's when you're feeling at your lowest that it's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. This person is calling. They want to reach out. You know, and it's like, not now. (laughs) When things were fine, maybe it wasn't happening as much. But it's just a reminder that you keep going. And it's okay if you really don't have a response. Many times people are looking for just someone to listen. And um, it's not about perfection at all. Um, It's really about being there and being there in all the seasons. You know, being there when when things are great and when the person is reaching out because things are not great. 
And it's okay to say, I'm not doing okay myself, but I'm here for you still. Yeah. Um, there's a celebrity that was asked, um, what motivates you to keep going on days that you don't want to do anything? And her response was, fake it. Um, I think as women, <laughs> we're <laughs> always, you know, putting on a facade that we're okay. And um, is there anything that you'd like to say to that? What do you think? Do you feel like we should be putting on this facade to get to, to push through it? As women, should we be empowered to show our true feelings or take up something else as let's kneel down before I leave out this house today? You know, what do you think about that? I say yes. (laughs) Yes, as in both. I think it's a balance. Um, One thing I have learned and continue to learn that my feelings are real, 100% real. So when I feel down, when I feel sad, you know, that's an emotion, it's 100% real. When I feel elated and happy, it's 100% real too. And so because they're real does not mean that they tell the full story. And if I allow myself to always live in my feelings, I'm going to be in trouble. So if I feel so excited about something that went well today, that I just do something out of character, you know, um, I can be in trouble too, just as if I if I'm really low and sad and I make a decision and a choice that really is also out, out of character. So I think based on how I'm doing and feeling, a lot of how we're doing has to do with how we're feeling, right? Um, and so I, I really am learning not to depend on that and, and understand that feelings often pass. Now, if you're going through a season of difficulty where you really feel like you you know you're not going i think as you said but everything that you said yes i'm going to find a place that maybe i can't kneel i'm just going to be like god i can't do this um i feel being transparent with god right there right then right now has made a big difference in my life and talking to him um understanding that he's right there um and it doesn't always relieve everything. It doesn't change the situations that are on my mind, but I'm learning to cast my cares on him. And that's really, I want a trusting relationship with him. And so I just, when I do that in real time, instead of waiting until the right moment, um, you know, I find that he really helps me when I allow myself to be transparent. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, nothing really stays the same forever. Um, in terms of situations and how you're feeling, as I said. So I think if you must take a day off, <laughs> take a couple of days off, do that. You know, the idea of faking it, um, I appreciate what people mean when they say that. I've never been good at being fake. Uh, I just don't know how to do it really well. Um, but I do know what it is to push and pretend as if... Um, in the moment, I'm not feeling great, um, but there's something that hopes that, you know, I won't stay this way forever. And also not just only thinking about myself. I think that helps, you know, what I'm going to do is today, or if I have to be around friends or something, yeah, I don't really feel like doing this, but if I can physically do it, if I'm able to, 
just to push ahead and understand that everything is not just about me. I think that's a big life lesson. That's good. Um, so I asked you to be on this podcast because I wanted to talk about the modern day woman now making history for the next generation. Before we check on the next generation, for you, when you were growing up, what was the generation before you? What woman inspired you? Who was an inspiration to you growing up? Hmm. There's so many. Um, are there periods of life that you're interested in specifically knowing about? Or you want me to name like two names? <laughs> Since we talked about DOZ, we could talk about a teenage year. Okay. Um, and you want me to call names, huh? You can and tell why. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there are a lot of people, and I do find that there are people who have been in my life at different seasons that are maybe I'm not around as much anymore. Um, um, but one of the people that, you know, there's a group. This is like a trio at the time. <laughs> um, Sister Andrea Williams, Sister Hopi Lawrence, Sister Margaret Banks. That trio, and there were occasions to where there are other ladies, you know, like uh, Rhonda McKenzie and Alicia, Alicia Williams. Um, I don't know if they meant to do it, but they kind of had this way of just letting me be a part of their world. Um, you know, going to their homes, some of them, um, just inviting me places. And honestly, these ladies are my senior. Um, they're still my friends. But you know, they just had a way of looking out for me. I don't think it was because um, of my parents' role in the church, per se. I think we've always enjoyed each other's company. Uh, and I remember a particular dark season in my life where they just continued to invite me places. And listen, maybe they would say, you would think, like, why? Is she, she's, I'm, I look like more of a tag-along at that time because of my age difference. Um, but I was also a bit mature too, as a teenager. So I really f appreciated just them allowing me just to be there all the time with them. Uh, I have so many fond memories. And so when they were there for the great times, it made it easy for them to be there in the difficult times. And so there were times when they would just take me out after church and I didn't have anything to say. I was clearly not doing great, but, you know, we'd go to the diner, split a meal. And just to be there and just to just be a staple and a standard and a just not moving place in my life meant so much to me. Um, there are others I could call their names, but I don't think you would even know them. You know, there's a particular lady in Jamaica who I had some time while dating my husband to spend time with. And um, to this day, I, I remember and, and I hold on to memories of just me watching her and observing the way she did business, the way she handled her husband, the way she um, would handle social situations. And maybe she, once again, didn't think that she was doing much, but just her interest in my life, um, just having me be around and being okay with me being around. Um, made such a difference. And once again, that mentorship transferred over to when things were not well. She was still feeling comfortable to draw me up and say, what's going on? You know, 
And I think that really speaks to the the role of mentorship. And there are so many others. I have close aunts, one one in particular, uh, Charmaine Bailey, who you know I've been able to talk to in really tough seasons, and people who've just celebrated me. I think it's a dual role. Mentorship is not um, you chasing me to check on me. It's me checking into and you know, me showing interest in your life as well. And and I think those ladies, just to name a few, have left the biggest mark on me. I love that. Because I feel as though they had women in their life that, you know, mentored them or they looked up to. And it's just a trickling down from generation to generation. So going towards the generation that's growing up now, um, for an inspiration for them, what would you tell your younger self if she was a teenager growing up in this era? Mm. <laughs> oh, gosh. What would I tell my younger self right now in 2023? Um, that you're not alone. I would tell myself that isolation is not the answer. Um, although I think I know that in theory. I think I've always been, uh, I've never really fit in. Even yesterday morning, after hanging up with um, a particular sister on the phone, who was, I just always have found myself in the company of older women. Um, and, I mean, I do have friends that are my peers and some younger, but it's, I have very few that are my age, if that makes sense. Um, I've always been, either mingling with those younger or the older ladies, you know, not necessarily seniors, but people who are further in life than I am. And so um, I've found it hard to fit in a lot, very difficult um, to fit in, um, let alone being a Christian as a teenager. So I would tell myself that you are not as alone as you think you are um, and that it's okay to go ahead and accept yourself as you are right now. You know, I keep thinking that everybody's living for something. And by that, I mean, when it comes to standing out, it comes to being okay with being who you are. Um, And those things are kind of cliche. We kind of say those things and they really have deeper meaning in terms of digging into who I am and all that stuff. But this generation is actually unafraid for the most part of kind of standing out you know people walk down the street looking any old kind of way and they don't care you know in the name of fashion in the name of whatever it is that they identify as and so I would tell myself it's okay you go ahead um not that you're trying to blend in with everybody but it's okay take the time to get to know you don't feel like you need to be anything for anybody um and just work on embracing you, yourself, your skin, your hair, just you for you. If you're going to do anything with your life, do it because you really want to, not because you feel the pressure to do it because an an image tells you that this is what you should be or do. That's what I would tell me. Thank you. I want to thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Um, Proverbs thirty one thirty says, "Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord 
is to be praised. And in everything that we do, I feel as though we just need to fear God and to just have faith in him when we are mentoring other people. Um, As a reminder, this podcast is bi-weekly, so stay tuned for the next episode, which is part two with another martyred woman, March 23rd. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Till next time, Miss Matt out.